Welcome to Design Much with Andy and Patrick. I'm really good at bouncing my voice around the room without making it look like I'm talking. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know you had so many talents. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's, you know, COVID helps out a lot when you're able to stay home and just develop all these these crazy things. <laughs> like I could be like at home working, but no one's here to watch me. So instead, I'm just. <laughs> I'm just developing strange talents like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got really good at using chopsticks, Patrick. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, somersaults. You're going to have to teach me. I've been improving my somersaults. Oh. You got your somersaults down? Yeah. Do you do them straight? Finally. I can do them straight, yeah. Do you do them straight or do you just still roll to the side? <laughs> Wait a second. Uh, are you talking about cartwheels or somersaults? Cartwheel. Yeah, one of the two. Cartwheels are where you do this, right? Where your hands are up in the air. Yeah. And then you you go you you, you go like over your head, right? And yeah. you hold your hands. Yeah. Yeah, and then your legs go in the air. That's a cartwheel, right? A somersault is where you get on the ground and you tuck your head under like a like a porcupine, right? Yeah, you kind of turn into And then Sonic. roll over yeah. your back. Yeah, you roll over your back. Exactly. Sonic's a Sonic's a hedgehog though. That's right. He is a hedgehog. Um, but they both do the same thing. But they both do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, fun fact, an armadillo does that too, right? Yeah. And I agree. That is a fun fact. Yeah. Yeah. Another fun fact, the new the new big critter thing in the, the Raya movie, Raya and the Dragon, yeah. also does that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is a fun fact as well. You're killing it with fun facts today, Patrick. So if you're, if you ever get quizzed on name four animals, <laughs> fictional or fictional or non-fictional, yeah, that curl up in a ball and roll around, those are four. Now if you need five, a potato bug also does that same thing. That's right, um, a potato bug. Um, if you need six, you can put me in there too because I'm pretty good at it now. Yeah, Andy Page. <laughs> Andy Page can curl up in a ball and roll around. Yeah, that's well, this is exciting news. This is exciting news, Andy, <laughs> that you're learning so many talents. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, what about you, Patrick? Have you been developing anything new, anything exciting? Um, yeah, over the past year that we've been in um, living in quarantine. No, nothing. I've been I've been reversing. I've been going backwards. I've been losing talents. Oh crap! Yeah. I'm decaying. I'm in a state of entropy right now. <laughs> well, you certainly don't look it, Patrick. That's um, that's really too bad to hear, though. I'm wearing glasses because my eyesight's deteriorating rapidly. <laughs> well, I guess it's not that funny, but <laughs> I just, yeah, I just laugh to, at like way to laugh. health condition. Yeah. Way to laugh. Yeah, way to laugh at my health condition. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm a young guy. I'm only like 23 and yeah. I'm losing my eyesight, man. This isn't this isn't good. That's not good. Yeah. It really isn't. Um, I shouldn't say I'm losing my eyesight. It's always been this horrible. I just didn't I just didn't care about it until now. <laughs> well, you're usually a contacts guy, aren't you? No. Yeah, you are. Do you No, I no. What? I've never worn contacts. Contacts freak me out, dude. So you're telling me that like all the time I spend with you when you're not wearing glasses, which is like I would say ninety percent of the time, maybe even ninety five, you are just going blind? Like you're just like you're just not really having <clears throat> good vision at that time? Yeah. Okay. I I don't see very good up close. I'm uh what they call nearsighted, uh-huh. I believe. So um, when I read, like when I read a lot or when I'm working at my computer, um, my eyes strain so much to focus, right, yeah. that I get headaches. So um, that's the only time I really need to wear glasses. That and if it's raining outside. Like if it's, if it's raining and it's nighttime and I'm driving in a car, um, everything is shiny. Like mm-hmm. everything has, you know, like those lens flares that were cool back in the day you put on all your designs? <laughs> Everything, every little tiny, like little, <laughs> every like tiny little speck of light is like a giant lens flare. So it's hard for me to drive at night in the rain. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, but I think that's an astigmatism, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think that's what that is. 
So yeah. I don't know. I could go see a doctor, I guess, and figure it all out. Yeah, you totally but. could. I mean, you are wearing glasses right now. So typically, I guess what's going on is when you're in front of the screen, you're wearing glasses. When you leave a screen or you're not looking at anything, you know, too close, you're just, you're not wearing glasses. Is that what's going on with your life then? Yeah, because technically when I was a kid, I had bifocals. So the top part of the lens was clear. Okay. And the bottom part was magnifying, right? Mm. And uh, and then I got beat up and made fun of and all that stuff. So then I just <laughs> I just went away from the glasses completely and said, you know what? I'm just going to deal with it. So then uh, I dealt with it for a long period of time until I started until I started designing stuff. And then I was staring at a computer more often. And then I started having focus troubles, right? Straining my eyes. Mm. And so then I got a prescription that has a slight. It's not bifocals, but they have a slight uh, magnification to them. Okay. But if I wear them and I walk around, like it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. Hmm. So they, they kind of just help remove some of the strain. Now I should, I should go into the doctor and get bifocals. Yes, probably. <laughs> um, but you know, as a 23 year old, that just feels like an old thing to do. <laughs> so I think they can make them so they kind of blend well, so you don't really have that clear line, you know, so you don't look like you're a 50-year-old with reading glasses, but... Um. Uh, yeah, they can blend them, and then if I if I look up like this, then my eyes will be giant on the bottom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, so. I, Patrick, you got, you got some great eyes. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing your eyes closer, <laughs> you know? Are you hitting on me again, Andy? Well... I've told you not to hit on me during the podcast. Sorry. It makes me. I forget sometimes. Makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's hard to keep track of all the times I can and cannot hit on you, Patrick. Yeah, uh, that's tough, but you got to deal with it. Yeah, it is. Well, Patrick, um, we're, <sighs> we're we're having a podcast today. Thanks for joining me. We're oh, are we recording? Yeah, recording. <laughs> we're recording, Andy. Oh crap. <laughs> Uh, well, welcome to the show. Um, this is episode 107, I think. Um, welcome, I think so welcome to episode 107, Patrick. Um, I'm really, really glad, glad to have you on today. Oh, I'm glad, I'm glad to have you on the podcast today. Andy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really, I liked, I've liked listening to both of the episodes where we interview each other. Really? Yeah, it's been those. Those were cool episodes. I liked it. Yeah, I, I thought it was great getting to know more about you and, um, yeah, specifically how you got there, how you got to where you are now. I thought it was pretty fascinating. I mean, how you like, um, yeah, like experimented with your career. So I thought that was awesome. Lots of lots of good life lessons there. I think that that we can take away from those. Yeah, I hope I hope uh, all the listeners have listened to both of those. If not, they should go back and get to know us better because I think we're both we're both interesting fellers. Hopefully, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but do we have a do we have a just a topic today then? Uh, Patrick, go back to the listener topic. Yeah, we do have um, a listener submitted topic today, and um, today's topic, Patrick, actually comes in from <laughs> the show's executive producer. Friend yes. of the show, Matt Bourne. Pretty interesting topic. So Matt Bourne writes in and he says, how many people does it take to screw in a light bulb or <laughs> ship a feature? Uh, man. And this one's, this one's hard. This one's hard. I think we can break it down a little bit. So what does it mean to actually ship a feature, right? And so, is he talking about... Just to clarify on the topic, Andy, mm-hmm. is he talking about two separate things? Like, how many people does it take to screw in a light bulb, and how many people like, like that activity, and then another activity of like, how many people does it take to ship a product, or is he talking about like, how many people collectively does it take to screw in a light bulb and then <laughs> ship a product? Um, it might be the latter, yeah. Which, how many people does it take to? <laughs> Um, I, I guess, yeah, that, that one, how many people does it take to screw in a light bulb and then turn around and ship a, a, a product, right? So that's probably yeah. what he wants to know. He didn't exactly have an and in that question, so I actually added the and to make it sound a little bit, um, I guess, easier to say. So mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think it's both of those. So um, let's let's dive into what it means to screw in a light bulb, Patrick, so we can answer that question first. <laughs> 
So yeah, I, I think it takes three people to th- screw in a light. Three people. Um, do you know three. this um, from experience, Patrick? Uh, I worked. I worked as a city maintenance person for a long time, and we did a lot of uh, down in Provo. I worked in the Provo offices, nice. the Provo city offices. Okay. It took three of us to do pretty much anything we did. <laughs> so I'm going to say, on a professional level, you need three. Now, now at home, one obviously okay. one, right? Yeah. But if you're a, if you're a government paid employee working at the city offices, then obviously the minimum number is three. Gotcha. Yeah, that's really fascinating. Um, so let's dive into that a little bit more. Um, so I'm trying to picture the process here, Patrick. Is it is it typically like there's two people, um, you know, down on the ground watching the one person screw in the light bulb? Is that kind of the way the process works? Or is it like a handoff thing where one person is like, you know, taking the light bulb out, the other person gets up? Um, and the other person hands the new person the light bulb, and then they screw it in. Is that how it works? Like, can you walk <laughs> us through that whole process? Yeah. So we'll, we'll we'll take a step back. Let me paint a picture of okay. how it's supposed to work. At least at least in the municipal settings. Yeah. Um, first of all, it takes one person. Like you, it takes one person to hold the tool bag, right? It okay. takes another person to hold the ladder, and it takes a third person to hold the new light bulb. So you got three. So then you go get the stuff. Then you're walking, and that person only holds the light bulb. Like you might say that a person could hold a tool bag and a light bulb. And you might even say, like, why do you need a tool bag for a light bulb? Like, I don't know. But you just never know what's going on. So you could say one person could do that. You cut that back down to two. But, in fact, if one person is holding the tool bag, which can be kind of heavy, one person holding the ladder, the third person holding the light will also turn the doorknob when entering the room that you're about to change the light bulb in. So you need as many free hands as you can. And then when you you get there, you, yes, one, the, 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 the person that, has the ladder will open the ladder. The person with the light bulb will then go up to the top of the ladder, right? Mm-hmm. Set the light bulb on the floor, go up to the top of the ladder, unscrew the old light bulb, hand it back down to the person that brought in the ladder. And then that person that brought in the ladder will switch and then hand you the light bulb you screw in the light bulb. And I, you're going to say, well, what's the third person doing, right? At the same time, he's holding the tools. That's what the third person is doing, just in case. Yeah, just in case the, the light bulb screwer in her um, gets up there and finds out there's like a screw loose, like on the light fixture, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they need a, a There's a wire or something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that makes a, a wire sense. nut or something like that. Now, Patrick, um, what about... Things are a big thing we're missing here because... Um, if you're taking a light bulb in and out, you're screwing a light bulb in and out, you have to have the light switch off, right? Yes. Otherwise, you're going to have some electrical problems if you're kind of, if you have the light switch on. I mean, you're, you're probably going to be okay, but for safety reasons, you might want to have the light switch off. So are yeah. one of those people, you know, watching that light switch or are we trying to, do we need to introduce a fourth individual here to make sure that nobody comes in the room while the three people are standing, you know, by the new light bulb? Um, and just flips on a switch and, you know, kills, <laughs> kills that person. <laughs> yeah. I like, I like what you're talking about because this is this, I know, I know this exact, this is, a, this is from experience. Um, so you would need a fourth person if the person screwing in the light bulb was not a professional. Okay. Right. If the person, cause, cause obviously then you gotta be like, okay, go flip the switch off. Okay. I'm going to, you know, unscrew the light bulb. And then you got to have the tool guy hold the flashlight if it's a dark room. Right. So <laughs> yes, you do have to have four people. But if, if the guy doing the light bulb screwing, right. Screwing in the light bulb in and out. If he is a professional, he, she, it could be a she as well. Right. Absolutely. Um, they, that person, if they are a professional, they would be wearing a glove. And by wearing a glove means that when you you don't have to turn the light off when you're screwing in the light bulb because you would wear a glove, you know, because if you just grab a hot light, it's going to be hot and burn your fingers. Yeah. But if you're wearing a glove, three people. Okay. No gloves, four people. Gloves, three um, three people, right? Three people. Okay. And I think the same would apply for shipping a product. <laughs> three people. I think you could take. I think minimum you probably need three people. Um, you'd need a, you'd need a, some, some sort of, here's where I go back and forth and I don't want any product managers to take this the wrong way. Andy. We love, we love um, product managers on this podcast. So yeah. I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure you need a product manager to ship a product. (laughs) Okay. 
I mean, I mean, at bare minimum, right? Like, like we talked about with the light bulb. Like, you're gonna need three people. If you're, if you're, if you're, uh, if you're in a different setting, let's flip the script on. It. If you, if you're more professional in the software world, you're gonna need that fourth person, because in the software world, now you're gonna need somebody to communicate that to the rest of the world, and like, here, here's the goals, and here's the whatever. And if you have a CEO involved and all that stuff, you gotta get buy-in, and what are we doing and prioritizing? Like, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. But the bare minimum to ship a product, what, you just need like a front-end dev, back-end dev, and a designer? Maybe. Maybe, so, and I, I think this is a really interesting topic because of this, because um, there are like applications out there that are good applications that are, you know, thought of designed and written by one single person and completely mm -hmm. managed by one person um one of those examples of an application that i use like on the daily is overcast so this is a podcast application i know that um, the individual who makes that um they do all of that work they do um, all of the development the designing um of course front and back end and it's like a you know mainly a mobile app um and I think there's a web version of it too, but that's that's all done by one person. And so it definitely can be done by one person. But traditionally, right, these jobs are, are split up into, you know, different um, different crafts. Um, it's like what you said, the front end individual, the back end person and a designer. Um, so I guess the question is, why are they typically split out into those different jobs Um why can't one person do all of the work all the time? Why can't one? Well, I mean, first of all, it's like, it, let's take it back to the light bulb analogy. Like, if one person does the light bulb himself or herself, right, they would have to carry the tools, carry the ladder, carry the light bulb, put the glove on. Like, there's a lot of work there, right? It's slower process probably mm -hmm. at some level. But you also have to have... You also have to be like a multi-talented individual to do something like that at a quality level, right? Yeah. And so I think, I think that's not everyone, you know, like everyone that you're talking about a unicorn type of, of person, mm -hmm. right? Like that knows how to do all that kind of stuff. Um, I think too, you're like that, that wouldn't, that wouldn't scale very well at all, right? Like Overcast is a small app, like a lot of these apps that are sort of built by a single person you know like sublime text and things like that like they they don't need to scale at the same level as say adobe does right yeah. so i don't think you could hire i don't think i don't think adobe if adobe has 300 people or 500 people working in their product development organization which it's probably 5 million by now but like just for numbers sake if they had like 500 people like they couldn't scale that back to 100 people Right. That would mm -hmm. be harder to find a hundred people that are unicorns like that, that have the ability and talent, right. To come work for Adobe and, you know, build a product like that. It's just too complicated. So I think, I think simplicity, you know, I think all that kind of stuff goes into it. Um, yeah. Not everybody's going to be able to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Also, also people specialize, right? Like if you want, if you want higher, I, I, I assume like, <clears throat> a person who's more of a jack of all trades like that doesn't know all the details about front end development doesn't know all the details about you know android and ios development doesn't know all the details about managing a database securely mm -hmm. right and also probably isn't the greatest designer in the world so i think i think that's that's you know i think that's more of a jack of all trades mentality where i know a little bit about a lot of things um but you know, as far as companies are concerned, I think most companies want specialists, right? Yeah, um, I think I would agree with what you're saying for sure. Um, I think if you were to ask my wife, um, how well does Andy, you know, change a light bulb? I usually <clears throat> do it alone and she'll probably say I do a pretty bad job at it, right? Like I can get the job done, but you might see a crooked light bulb here or there, um, <laughs> you know, so it's it, it definitely comes down to what you're talking about. Um, it's that quality. Um so if I if I'm one person that does all of it, like it's possible that I can make a good application. At the same time, if you hire a designer, if you hire a back end engineer and a front end engineer, um, those individuals are going to know a lot about their craft. They're going to be able to um, 
go really deep and to make sure that they're doing their job really well and making sure the design is really good, um, testing the design, finding you know the right problems to solve. Um, so coming in with you know the right solution, and then those those engineers are going to be able to know the best you know uh, the best way to solve this problem, right? Um, the thing that 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 kind of like when I think about coding and engineering, like that, like just takes me back. It's just I'm like, wow, it's amazing how much knowledge they have to have um, on on how to build these things. Like all of this technical knowledge, all of these different languages they have to keep up on that are constantly changing. Um, that sort of thing, like, really makes me go, like, I, I don't know if that's for me. It's possible I could do it for sure, but it just looks so complex and challenging and me being able to do my job well as a designer as well as being able to learn all of that code and how to write it well um, to structure something that works and you know i could be able to find the bugs quickly and fix them that would take me forever to learn all of those concepts on a very high level to be able to write something um you know very basic right um but if we did hire specialists that really were able to know about those those you know different um, applications, those, you know, those different um, languages, those different um, ways of, you know, solving those problems, um, they're going to be able to do it um, with really high quality. And so you're going to end up with a, a great application in the end that's going to, first of all, you know, solve the right problems that the designer was able to figure out and then solve the problems in the right way as they, you know, they write it in a good way as they code it out. So um, mm -hmm. I think I definitely agree with what you're saying, Patrick. Let's say, Eddie, you wanted today to start a, a, a taco cart because you make tacos really well, right? I definitely want to start a taco cart. That sounds great. Yeah. So you you take your beautiful taco recipe that everybody loves that they know, and you're like, I'm going to bring it out. I'm going to take it outside, and I'm going to I'm going to sell these tacos. So I'm going to go get a taco stand. I'm going to go park it out somewhere, and I'm going to sell tacos, mm -hmm. right? Like you don't really need anybody else to help you sell tacos. Like you could ship, you could ship those things, you know, just fine by yourself. Take money, give people tacos. Like you're just doing good because you got a little taco cart, True. right? But then you grow, right? And you're like, man, the everybody loves these tacos, and uh, and the line's getting super long, and people are getting mad because it's taking too long for me to make tacos. Like let's, and and I'm only in this one location, right? I can't go to like the park. I can't go anywhere else. So then you're like, okay, I want to take my money. I'm going to invest it in a, in a taco truck now, right? Mm -hmm. Like a food truck. And I'm going to take that food truck out. Well, when you get that food truck out, now you're probably going to need somebody taking orders and you need to cook tacos, right? Because now you got a bigger, got a bit of a bigger kitchen and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to take two of you to ship at that level, right? Ship tacos at that level. Yep. And then somebody, somebody comes up, some investor comes to you and says, hey, these tacos are fantastic, Andy. Thank you for gracing us. Thank you for gracing the world with these tacos. <laughs> We need more tacos, and we need them all over the United States. We need them everywhere. Um, let's franchise. Let's start with one store. I'm going to get you one brick-and-mortar store. And then when you do that, now you, now you need three, four people, right, to do that. Well, yeah. And it just keeps going and going Absolutely. And going, yeah, you right? think about, like, the branding. Like, maybe I'm really great at making tacos, but I'm not good at figuring out how to design a logo or a brand that is going to work well. Um, I have to figure out all the, the, the technicalities of the business. Like I have to figure out taxes. I have to figure out how to pay my employees. I have to figure out how to um, manage them when, when um, you know, somebody has an HR violation or something. Like there's all these things that I'm, I'm just good at making tacos, right? I love your analogy here. Um, I'm good at making tacos, but I don't know how to do all this other stuff that it takes to run a business, right? Um, I need a legal team when somebody comes up and says, you stole my taco recipe. Um, <laughs> how do I deal with that? All I wanted to do was just make tacos, right? <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's what my, my, um, my specialty was. Um, so yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, that's a wonderful analogy that I think, um, if businesses want to scale, if, um, you want to be able to specialize and make sure that you're doing everything right, not just one thing right of making good tacos, um, then you have to hire a lot of people that are good at what they do. Well, and to use your overcast analogy too, like um, with the with with sort of the one product, you know, built by one person, like them them competing on the same scale as like Spotify. It's a different world, right? It's a different thing. Yeah. Spotify has 
more features and bigger deals and bigger podcasters and advertising and all kinds of stuff, right, that, that Overcast doesn't have, right? Or they don't have the same amount as features, right? So if you want to if you want to build, like, you know, if you're a lifestyle business like that and you, you could just do it yourself, right? I'm going to grow slow. I'm going to take my time. Like, it's not going to be a big deal. Um, you know, people enjoy the product. There's enough in the product that that's okay. Um, I can handle the bugs because there's not that many users, you know, but if you're, if you're the type, you know, if you're an entrepreneur that wants to like, you know, grow a business, right. Then you're, you're the people required to ship the product. is going to be a lot more. It's going to be a lot more expensive. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is interesting to think about when you are kind of like tailoring this to you doing your job as a designer. Um, and, you know, there's those job, I, I, I get sometimes people hitting me up on LinkedIn saying, you want to do this job and it requires, it's a UX developer job. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. no, thank you, because I don't do d- development work. Um, I, I don't have all those coding skills down because I focus on the UX skills and that's, that's the skills that I bring to the table. Um, and so... Do you feel like Patrick that people should um, try to be general, or should should you designers try to just specialize um, into their their one thing essentially, like in terms of like UX design entirely, or should I should I learn a little bit of code? Um, what would you recommend uh, when when designers are looking to to pick and choose what sort of skills they should have to um, you know be ready for the market? Yeah, I think it depends on that. I think it depends on what level of taco shop you want to have <laughs> or you want to be a part of, right? If if you want to build your, like if you have a really cool product or a cool product idea, you know, or, you know, from a, from a design standpoint, you know, you're like, hey, I'm going to change this. I'm going to design this cool product and I want to build it myself and, you know, ship it myself. And I think, you know, you're going to, you're going to have to learn all of those things, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to have to become a unicorn. Um, so... I think the vast majority of people from a design standpoint, though, will be somewhere right in the middle. Um, They'll be somewhere in the middle where it's like, I'm going to learn as much design as I can, but I'm not going to code. But I might have to learn like a little bit of business end of it to to understand that, you know, who we're designing for and Mm -hmm. what's the business angle and stuff. So you might have to dive into that a little bit. I think that's kind of where everybody would kind of go and then and then focus on being sort of a design generalist. Right. Like I can do some UX design, I can do some UI design, I can do some visual design, um, and then and then yeah, it would get you know if you if you go to a bigger company, you might even be more specialized than that, right? Yeah. You know, like I've met people that are UX designers have the same title as me, but they don't do any visual design, right? They just do, you know, research and wireframing and things like that, right? So it's like. You know, it depends. I think the bigger company you get, the more specialized the need is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if you're if you're if you're an entrepreneur, like you got to learn it all, right? If you're that mentality, if you're if you're somebody who likes the startup life, you know, and likes like sort of living on the edge of startups, um, you're you're going to be dealing with small companies where there's going to be an occasion where you might have to prototype something, and it might have to be, you know you might have to develop it yourself as a prototype or even release a product. You might have to build websites, right. As a designer Mm -hmm. and, and ship those websites yourself. Um, you know, and you're going to have to be across the design world. So I think, again, it just goes back to like, where do you, where do you as a designer see yourself, you know, and some designers don't want to do that. Like some designers would rather be a specialist, you know, and some designers would rather be, you know, uh, have, have broader stuff so they get to experience more things. So just kind of depends. Like if you want to be a sniper, right. In the army, you got to, that's a skill that you got to perfect. And that's one skill, right. You got to be really good at it. If Mm -hmm. you want to be like the greatest sniper ever, but if you just want to be like, you know, join the military and, you know, go defend your country, you don't need that skill. You have other, you have more broad skills. There's a billion analogies we could use. Yeah, let's stick with the, let's stick with the taco the taco shop analogy. <laughs> I, I like that answer. So if if you're trying to figure out what you want to do for your career, um, ask yourself what kind of taco truck do you want to do? What kind of taco services do you want to offer? Um, yeah, and 
<clears throat> and yeah, you can kind of go from there. Uh, but yeah, I think that's really great because yeah, you might find someone who who really loves the design aspect and really finds a lot of fulfillment with being able to build that design that they you know they took the time to design. Um, so I think that's that's a great way to answer that for sure. Um, yeah, so that's that's really great. I think um, I think do you think like that might answer the question, Patrick? How many people does it take to ship that feature? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no answer. I, I would say I still go back to like, I mean, your bare minimum if you're an entrepreneur, like, <laughs> bare minimum, it's one. Like, you don't really need, yeah, you don't really need all of that to actually ship a product. Like, me, one of us could ship a product today, right? Like, we could build something, we could put it out in the world, and it's there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we could just do it. It may not be the best product and it may not scale really well, but we could do it, right? Um, so I think if you're talking in terms of like the bare minimum, it just takes one person. Same way it would take one person to actually like change a light bulb, you know? But like, I think when you when you scale that up, it's going to take, it's going to require more people. That's kind of why I said three is like, I'm thinking in terms of like, you know, tech the tech industry in Utah, I think that's another thing you got to consider too. Back to your other question. It's like the tech industry in Utah is mostly startups. So if you're a designer looking to get into that, you're, you're going to be, you're going to, you're going to have to be a broader designer, mm-hmm. right? But if you go to like San Francisco or you go somewhere else where the, you know, tech is a little bit like there's, there's more of a legacy of tech, right? There's more of a history of tech. Um, then you might be more of a specialist, right? Mm-hmm. In those, in those worlds, because companies are bigger and their products are bigger. So I think that that also plays into it. I would say like a really a really top notch professional product, though. At the end of the day, probably takes three to four people, like if, to ship a feature. Yeah. Right. So you know, if you if you care about security, if you care about you know proper design, if you care about um, you know building the right thing at the right time. If you care about making sure that it's bug free, like you're probably going to need four people that that's sort of bare minimum to make sure all of that happens. Yeah. And I think along the way you're going to learn, um, let's say you're working together as a team of three and you work on a project and you ship this project. It's out there. It's a thing that you did, but then you might realize after you ship it, it is just riddled with bugs. It's riddled with tons of issues <laughs> because um, you had great developers, but they, you know, they had a time crunch or something happened. And, you know, they basically every time you ship anything, there's always bugs, right? That's very normal. But you might find out this first time there's a lot more than you expected. Um, and maybe then you realize, hey, we needed a fourth person. We needed a quality, um, a quality engineer or something like that, a quality control engineer to help us figure out um, it, we're make sure we're building this the right way the first time before we actually release mm-hmm. it, right? And to help us uh, mitigate those bugs. Um, and then you might find out, hey, we we did lots of great research with the design, uh, um, but we, we didn't exactly consider all of the business needs. So this isn't exactly hitting the business needs as we needed it to. Our, our users are happy, but we're not getting enough revenue from this. And maybe we should have included a PM <laughs> from the beginning, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think, I think you, you'll start to realize like what sort of needs you have as you go through that process together as a team, um, and or other individuals will notice it for you, you know, who knows how it works, but, um, I think it's definitely going to be different. And I think this kind of speaks to what you're talking about. I thought was also interesting about like how, you know, different companies have different roles for design. Um, small companies, you might be wearing lots of hats and doing lots of things. And possibly at really large companies are doing a very small subset of that design process, for example. And I think it's interesting because when you are applying to jobs, all the jobs like say like they all say something like you're a UX designer, or a product designer. But what that actually means at the company is going to be different um, in terms of what you're mm-hmm. doing. You might be doing full stack design where you are doing the research, where you are doing the ideation, where you are doing the wireframing and, you know, the high fidelity design and testing and, you know, handoff and all that sort of stuff. Um, or you might just be uh, doing the research. You might just be doing the wireframing as you had talked about as well. So it's definitely important to uh, figure out what, 
um, what your um, role is going to be at, at the company that you're applying at. You know, ask them what what is the design process, who is typically taking part in those different aspects of those process um, processes, um, so you can know if this really fits the type of design and the, and or the type of tacos you like to make, right? Um, so I think I think it's important to know that because there isn't a standard way to talk about um, user experience design. Um, nobody has figured out how to how to write it out in an application um, or in a, a job. Um, what are those called? Um, a job description. Nobody has figured out how to do that. All companies have different role names and everything and um, different ways that they're paying those individuals. So it's it's still a confusing world out there. So it's important to figure out, you know, what what is your process? What do you like to do? What gives you fulfillment as a designer? And look for companies and work with companies that um, would definitely support the way you like to do it or would be willing to, um, you know, move into a way that you like to do it if, if that's what they're looking for as well. So um, there's definitely a lot of confusion out there, but it's that's something to consider as well as you are, you know, looking for that work and figuring out um, what type of company you want to align with. Yeah. My, my favorite my favorite job titles are the ones I see on LinkedIn sometimes that say UX slash UI product design engineer. Have you ever seen those? <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't seen all of those. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> that's like all of them. Oh man, um, they should put like product manager um, sort of stuff in there too as well. Yeah. <laughs> Try to get like <laughs> UX, UI, product design, engineering manager. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Throw it all in there. Now that yeah, is what I title, call a UX unicorn. <laughs> titles get pretty ridiculous, yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely I don't funny. Know. I, th- I think we answered it for for uh, for uh, Mr. Matt Bourne. Right. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, as always, thank you for submitting that. It's a, it's a great topic to explore for sure. Um, but yeah, I think, I think we did it, Patrick. Yep. Every answer on this podcast, just so you know, the secret of every answer to this podcast, Andy, is it's always, (laughs) it's always, it depends. (laughs) You're not supposed to tell them our secret sauce, Patrick. No, that's... Now everyone is going to start their own design podcast, just like ours. Try it with any. I want to challenge. I want to challenge our listeners to send us any, (laughs) any topic, and I guarantee you the answer is going to be it depends. But I I want you to send, I want you to send the topics. I want you to challenge us. And say, hey, I'm going to send you a topic that's not going to be it depends. Yeah. And then we're going to try it. We're going to see if we can break it and make it make it be it depends. It depends. Yeah, we'll definitely put it down that same um, <laughs> that same track for sure. <laughs> it's it's part of design. That's just design in general, isn't it? Like design in general is a lot of it depends. Yeah, right. Like that's because true. that's what it is. We're we're experimenting. We're trying different things. We're we're playing around with stuff. There's not. There's never a solid answer. Like we were we were talking about this at work uh, about uh, something the other day about a component, a UI component, and. <laughs> Like three of us were talking about it, and all three of us made different arguments that made perfect sense, <laughs> right? It was like, it was like, uh, okay, well, how do we make this decision? And it's kind of like, well, it depends on what we want to do. Like, uh-huh. if we want to do that, that's the right choice. If we want to do this other thing, that's the right choice. All three of them are just as correct, right? And I think that's just part of design. It's not, it's not a black and white thing at all. By any means. Yeah, that's why they have to hire professionals to make the decisions. The the decisions yep. that depend on the it depends answers. <laughs> um yeah, those are the people you can pin on, you know, pin the um the blame on when it doesn't go right. Yep. And that's what I tell when when a when a junior designer asks me when I'm, you know, teaching at Dev Mountain or wherever and they, they ask me like what's what's a great skill to have as a junior designer, I always tell them be able to make a decision. Yeah, exactly. Well, if you can make a decision, you you can get a job. Yep, being able to make a decision. Um, I think your answer should be Patrick. It depends on it if you want depend. to get a real job or not. That's usually what it is. I usually go. It depends if you want to get a good job or not. Yeah. And then they're like, "Well, I want to get a good job," and I'm like, "Okay, then learn how to make it." Then I go, "Well, it still depends." <laughs> like. Yeah. 
And they're like, oh, great. And you're like, yeah, you got in the wrong industry. I think <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's definitely true. I think as a designer, especially as a new designer, let's say you're brand new into this, you're, you're figuring out what you want to do. Um, you have to learn how to answer every question by saying it depends. And then you have to learn how to make good decisions. I think it kind of goes mm-hmm. in that order. Um, because if you answer by saying it depends, it can give you some more time to make a good decision. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so it kind of buys you that time. So that's the, the, those are the, the biggest, I think, um, the biggest takeaways I'd give you for that. If you're, you're preparing to be a designer, it depends. And then make a good decision about your, what your depends yeah. are. Just, just understands the, the answers are never going to be clear. And yeah. you just need to pull the trigger on something. Yeah. They're not clear. And that's why you have a job. That's your job security. Mm-hmm. Yep, you're right. If 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 the answer was clear, there wouldn't be there wouldn't be any designers in the world. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Matt Bourne. Yeah, thanks, Matt. So another fun topic, another good conversation. Yeah, next time I, I want to do a light bulb. Um I've been doing them just by myself, Patrick. So next time I do that, um, yeah, I'm gonna have to bring three, two more, two other people over, maybe three, just to help me out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that would be that'd be wise. And I didn't know that I mean, you you had worked for the city before. Like you said, you worked for Provo City. And yeah. did you actually change light bulbs for that job? Um, that was part of my <laughs> job. Yes. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> so you are you are um, a very good person to ask this question. Oh, I know. I know for sure. I mean, now the light bulbs were changing. The light bulbs. The light bulbs I was changing at Provo City were, you know, fluorescent tube light bulbs. Oh, nice. And that sometimes would require a little bit more work. Yeah. Right? Because you got to change a ballast or something. You know, it's not necessarily just the light bulb that's out. But, but yeah, um, we could probably do uh, a whole... I, I had it written out. I probably still have a note somewhere about how many jobs I've had in my lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> before before we before I got in design before I landed on something That's and so I, awesome. I think it's yeah it's 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 up there it's up there quite a ways you know like 20 20 or so 20 plus jobs no way yeah you were like for sure a legit job hopper what was like the what? least amount of time you spent at a job <laughs> um I'm trying to think I did <laughs> it was probably <laughs> my my well I've been I've also been working since I was like 14 okay you know I didn't I didn't like I didn't have rich parents to buy me you know I had to pay my I had to you know, I had to get a car I had to pay my insurance uh-huh. I had to pay gas you know I wasn't I wasn't a rich kid that you know was like hey you don't need to get a job until you're out of college like I hear like people people on LinkedIn talk about what was your first job and people are like well, my first job out of college, and I was like, "Are you kidding me? You're not a normal human being, dude." We like, I had 15 jobs before I even went to college. Like, that's how that's how life works. Uh, the shortest the shortest job I ever had the shortest job I ever had was probably the first job I ever had. Um, I worked for probably about a month as a political survey telephone. Like I would call. Like I would call phone numbers and ask them if they wanted to take a political survey wow so did you yeah, actually I, and you perform the survey if they said yes yeah and then we had we went through all the survey questions okay over the phone all right that's awesome and it was it was horrible there was no there was no incentive for any of these people to take these surveys yeah. you're calling people when they're doing weird things in their lives which which was always surprising like people would answer the phone when they're doing something else <laughs> you know like like i would get like i I think i actually yelled at a person for getting mad at me because i woke them up you know like i was like dude i didn't first of all it's four o'clock in the afternoon like most people aren't sleeping and second of all freaking take your phone like take your phone off the hook or turn it off or something right like dude that was back in the day when phones were on hooks right so take your phone off the hook and take a nap like and then secondly if the phone rings why in the hell did you answer it uh-huh exactly you know like i don't know but back then you didn't have yeah you didn't have yeah you didn't know anything stuff. like that yeah right now 
I get plenty of those, you know, like robo calls, all that stuff. If I see a number on my phone, I don't know it. So if, if any of you are trying to call me and I don't know it, I'm not going to answer it because I don't know who you are. And you're most yeah. likely trying to scam me. So I don't answer it. So you got you got about a zero percent chance of calling somebody who's not in the contact list. Right. Yeah. And then you have about a 50 percent chance of somebody picking up, even if you're in the even if you're a contact in their list. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like if I called you today, you'd be like, I don't want to talk to him right now. <laughs> no, just click. Can't he, he send can... me a text? <laughs> yeah, just send me a text or whatever. <laughs> Which I want to I want to ask you about just to just to end this episode. I want to ask you about this clubhouse thing that that's going on. Are you are you are you a part of the clubhouse? Are you in the clubhouse? You know, Patrick, I'm one of the people that take a long time to get into things. Like if there's something new, I usually wait for it to settle because I've been burned in the past where I like get super excited about getting invited to something like uh, one of those ones, for example, was uh, uh, Google circles. Is that what that was called? Google circles, right? Google Google plus Google plus. That's what it was. Um, I got super stoked because I got an invite to Google plus and I got there and then I was like, it was a ghost town and I didn't, it didn't do anything for me. I don't really jump on the new platforms. I still don't have a Snapchat or TikTok account. Um, I know I sound like a pretty old person right well, now. Well, you're also not 13, so I'm <laughs> proud of you for not <laughs> yeah. having a TikTok account. Yeah, I've been holding out. Um, <laughs> but I'm surprised that those two made it as long as they have. So I thought they would die off sooner than that. So I don't yeah. I don't even know all anything about Clubhouse other than like you. It's like kind of a podcast and call at the same time sort of thing. So I don't really know what's going on. So I don't really know what's going on either because you have to be invited to the damn platform, which I think is kind of ridiculous, uh-huh. but at the same, because, because then, because then now my LinkedIn feed is like, Hey, I got clubhouse invites. Anybody want one? I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to deal with this because I'm not 17 years old. Yeah. Like I don't care about your special club. Like it doesn't matter to me, you know, but I think, but but what I've what I've uh, deduced from my research, my online research, <clears throat> is that it's it's basically an audio Twitter oh, that you really? can put people in. Yeah, you can put people in groups and then people leave audio tweets, kind of thing. And that to me just sort of boggles my like. People are talking about how like this is the next the next big social media platform, and I was like, I was like, wait a second, wait, back up, back up, back up. We were all doing this before we even had smartphones. <laughs> then then we got smartphones and we could text each other we're like good i don't have to talk to anybody or hear anybody ever again yeah <laughs> right <laughs> it's gonna be perfect it's my time whatever blah, blah blah and now we've we've evolved then we went to video you know now we've evolved all the way to clubhouse where it's it's audio tweets it's audio messages <laughs> i'm just like maybe maybe i am getting too old because i'm not 15 years old anymore but like couldn't I just, you know, group text some people? Mm-hmm. Like, why do I gotta? <laughs> but I do see, I do see the platform for a bunch of like people, like, uh, you know, uh, people who sell stuff online to use it because they can create a group, they get a bunch of followers, sell a bunch of crap to the followers. Like, I see, I see like a Jared Spool jumping on there and yakking away about stuff, and a bunch of people getting all getting all good over it and uh, jumping into his clubhouse right i, I can see that or, sure. or like a pablo stanley like i can see that but i just i don't see why you know i mean i could see why it would be interesting for those people for like speakers public speakers and stuff like sure. that. sure yeah man i don't know i don't know um i have been meaning to look at it to see if it made any sense for <laughs> For podcasters like like you and I, but um, I I don't know if it's if it's a thing I want to do because I, I do I do feel like we're a bunch of old men just talking about. <laughs> Did you see this thing? <laughs> so ridiculous! This is what we used to do. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, so, I just the article I was reading talked about how like audio messages were the next you know big thing in the future, and I was like, dude. I get it, man. I get it. You're 21 years old and you, you don't even know what a telephone really is. Like, I understand it. <laughs> but like, it's like, it'd be, it'd be like if we, it'd be like if our generation, it, it like invented a different record, like, 
you know, like, hey, we got this new thing. You put music on and it spins around. And then the, the old generation is like, dude, we already had those. <laughs> yeah. It's called records, bro. <laughs> and we, we have talked oh. about this, Patrick, in the past, like about how design trends kind of seem to come back. You know, they cycle, how fashion cycles. And we're seeing a lot of, you know, stuff from the 90s and fashion show up again in kind of a new way. And we're seeing the same sort of thing. This is kind of a recycle of at least from what I understand of what this is, a recycle of an old concept into a new thing. Um, yeah. And it, it is kind of funny. Yeah, just you could just get on a, a phone call with a group of people and <laughs> do the same thing. You got like your party line or whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's great. Maybe it makes sense for, for people. Um, but I have not even tried i haven't even gone to a clubhouse <laughs> website or tried to download the app or anything so um yeah i'm with you i'm gonna wait till somebody makes me do it <laughs> i don't think anyone's gonna ever make you do it though <laughs> so i don't know if that's gonna work out <laughs> okay well i'm gonna go create a clubhouse and then i'll invite you to it yeah me too well we'll have our own design much clubhouse yeah and me and you and Matt Bourne and you know all the other thousands of people that, that listen to this podcast, we can all jump in that clubhouse and then then we'll be like, couldn't we have just done this with Spotify? What what? Why are we doing this now? Oh, they have, they use oh the design's a little bit different. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's new, Patrick. It's new, so you got to do yeah, it. Yeah, it's so, new. Yeah. Okay. Well, have a good evening, Andy. Thanks, Patrick. Um, I, I think I will. I'm going to go play with Clubhouse. Um, try to go eat some tacos. Yeah, that, that's what I should do. Okay. Go work on that taco truck, taco truck business. Potatoes. Potatoes are back at Taco Bell. Go, go get yourself a soft potato taco, spiced potato taco. Yeah. Taco? Is that a new taco. thing? <laughs> I don't think that's a thing yet, but that you just helped me with my potato? first my first menu item of my taco truck, my pataco. <laughs> pataco, Andy's patacos. What is it? You're gonna have to find out. You're gonna have to go buy one and eat one to know what a pataco is. Yep. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put ads all over Clubhouse to sell my patacos. <laughs> They sell ads, right? Right, Patrick? I would assume I would assume yes. Yeah. I would assume they have to, right? Yeah, I guess so. These days. I mean, we we live in a world that's driven by well, we're gonna go back and we're not gonna devolve into how marketing's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Can't even drive down the road quietly by myself without getting freaking crap shoved in my face about what to buy next. That's true. I hate I hate the world, Andy. But you know, you know, actually, I hate it. you know what I really like? I, I actually like billboards because it gives me, <laughs> I, I play this game when I see a billboard. I kind of do a design critique in my head because when you see a billboard, you have to like, you have to like understand its message and like the design has to resonate and catch your eye. So I, I kind of like do every time I pass a billboard, I'm driving on the highway or something. I see it. I like kind of like do a little design critique, like. I, I can't see the phone number at the bottom of that. Like, yeah. it takes way, it's way too small. I can't read a whole phone number and memorize that while I'm driving a car. You know, like, there's all that sort of stuff. So, I actually really like billboards because I get to do a design critique while I'm driving. I do, I do the same thing. I'm driving down the road and I'm like, what an idiot. They used a thin font. Yeah. Like, why would you use a thin font on a billboard, you moron? Like, come on. Obviously, you didn't think about it outside of Photoshop, yep. right? Yep. Yeah, they put like paragraphs of text on there. They, uh, the call to action is too hard to see. Yeah, like yeah. there's so much. They put stuff. like, they put like white block letters on an orange, like yeah. on an orange background, and you can't see it until you're like right in front of it. And then you're crashing into blurry. the car in front of you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, good old billboard. Other design. than that, other than that, they're trash. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> awesome media, though. I think it's a lot of fun. Lots of, lots of great stuff to look at. Are you going to see one of those horrible ones from Domo, Patrick? 
Oh, those are the worst, yeah. They're never funny either. Yeah. I've never, like, say something funny. At least it, like, it, it makes me think about it. Like, because they're the type of ads, so there's lots of type of advertising, right, Patrick? There's the kind that's, like, funny, and so you're, like, like it's a nice Geico ad that's just, like, this is really great content, right? <laughs> you, you just enjoy it. Or there's the kind that are, like, so annoying, but you know it's there. Um, like those, oh, man. Uh, what was the name of this company? Like a long time ago, like Super Awesome Computers or something. Um, oh, like a local yeah. computer store. Super Dell. Super Dell. Like just super annoying oh. um, sort of ads, but they stuck with you and you like hated them, but you knew exactly what that company was. And if you yeah. ever needed to go get a computer, <laughs> you that's like on your roster because you know it. <laughs> you hated them so bad. Like they're still ingrained in our memory yeah. that, that those cards. But the but but how'd that work out for Superdell, right? Like, yeah, in the end, he's no more, right? Yeah. I feel like I feel like I feel like the Domo billboards are like the baby shark of billboards. <laughs> baby shark. They're just like nobody, nobody really gets it, but everybody knows about it. Yeah, the, the annoying song right? that kids sing to you. <laughs> You're like, why is this stuck in my head all the time? You're like, oh crap! Because every time I have to drive from my house to Provo, I got to drive through ten of them, and none of them may make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Domo equals LGBTQ. <laughs> what does that even mean? First of all, I don't even know what your product does. Yeah, exactly. Now, now I'm thinking. Now I'm thinking it has something to do with diversity, which obviously it doesn't. Yep. Just yeah, who knows? Baby Shark. Baby Shark. That's a great one. Baby Shark. Um, yeah, be more like Geico and less like Domo when you're advertising your stuff. Yeah. And make 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 your ads good and call to actions good so people can uh-huh. see them and know exactly what to do while they're Use driving the font. in ten yep. seconds, less than ten, like three seconds. They have to be able to see it. Oh, you know what ticks me off now that they're replacing all these billboards with the digital billboards. Hmm. Not only does driving, I told you driving at night sucks for me anyway. Yeah. But like these billboards are horrendous. These like the, the digital billboards because they're so damn bright. They are. So you, like if it's raining outside, you can't see anything. <laughs> like I can't see anything. I just see this bright, shiny light. I'm like, ah, I guess it's over. I'm driving toward the light because I don't, <laughs> I don't know where to go. I can't see the road. I think, I think, but I, I think the problem with those thinking about the technology of those freaking billboards is they have to be super bright for daytime so you can see yeah. them. But at night, why don't they like lower the brightness to not only Just save on back, energy, man. but also to not, you know, kill your drivers, kill the drivers that yeah. are trying to, you know, consume your content. Well, and the third part about that is, is when you, when you're driving down the road and you're doing that critique thing, you're like, Oh, look at that billboard. Like he's not using the right font. You know, she's using a weird color. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it changes before you get to complete your thought. Have exactly. you ever had that? I have, yeah. You only get to see like a, a snippet of the other billboard. So I didn't get, I didn't get like served the ad, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, you're like Chick-fil-A has a new and then it goes away. And you're like, I didn't, <laughs> hey, what are the, what's new? <laughs> this is important, damn it. I need to know right now. <laughs> And then it's like, homie, and you're like, oh, God. that's even the worst. Like when you're when you're getting served an ad, when you're getting served up an ad like that on those billboards, it's something you're interested in. Yeah, you're like, Chick Fil A has the new, and then it switches to like a homie, and you're like, what? nobody cares about homie. Come on, quit, quit doing it. Like we get it, yeah. real estate, whatever. Chick-fil-A. Go back to the Chick Fil A. Chick Fil A, Taco Bell. We need to know. We need to know what's going on with Chick-fil-A when we're driving down the road. Yes. We need to know what's going on with Taco Bell. What are the new menu items so I can stop everything I'm doing and get off on the next exit and go to Taco Bell? If 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 Chick-fil-A had a thing that said, "Hey, buy like get this, get whatever on a billboard." That's that's one of the only things that would influence me. I would pull off like next exit, boom, I'm there. Yeah. I would get it. I would check out what's new. If if Homie has a billboard and it says, "Hey, buy a house." Like that's not an impulse buy. Yeah, it's not. Right? It's, I'm not pulling off the freeway going, do that. <laughs> I'm not pulling off the freeway going, oh, i got to talk to my real estate agent. Hold on. <laughs> just makes no sense. That's anyway. very true. Okay. Well, this is this has been this has been about an hour-long podcast. This is the longest podcast we probably have. Oh, crap. 
the last 30 minutes of it are, are just ranting. So we'll have to, maybe we could split this one up. <laughs> um, half of it talking about light bulbs and taco trucks. The other half, billboards. Um, We're going to have 107 part A and part B. <laughs> well, uh, dear listener, we hope you enjoy. Yeah. Well, we'll talk to you next week. All right. I'm going to stop recording now, Patrick. Okay. See you, Andy. See ya. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the pod. Real quick before you take off, we need your topics. Shoot an email to topics at designmuch.org or go to designmuch.org slash contacts and fill out the form. If you enjoy this episode and want to support us, go ahead and share the pod with some friends, coworkers, your weird aunt, that guy who takes your money every morning at the McDonald's, your hamster, really just whoever you want to. Lastly, go grab a Design Much t-shirt at designmuch.threadless.com and wear it freaking proudly. That's it, guys. Now have a good week, design nerds.